0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the JMU Sports News Podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome into
0: another edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin. I'm joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We got an early case of the Giggles, but we're going to fight through it. And uh, do you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you ever like how would this podcast sound if if it was Bennett Conlon joined by like, like you say the same thing every time, which yeah. is like the hallmark of a podcast. You have to have your signature intro and outro. But like you're never not joined by me. That's true. That's just my, that's my thought. All right.
0: I'll change it up next time. All
1: right. All right. So uh, what do you want to talk about today?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I asked for questions five minutes before we went on.
1: As per our usual, that's kind of how we do things around here.
0: So we got one, which is kind of shocking, but impressive. Nonetheless, we'll keep an eye out during the recording and see if someone pops in. Uh, But we got one from, I think they appear to just be a Virginia Tech fan, but hey, it was a real question. So the question was, are the 2022 FCS games scheduled so far off the table? Also, when do you think we'll learn more about the 2022 season opponents? Great question from our Virginia Tech
1: fan. Yeah, you, I think you're a lot more in tune with how the FBS, FCS transfer goes. So please take it away um, and then just lead this conversation, lead this answer. It's, it, the floor is yours.
0: This seems like what people are talking about more so than basketball. So I figured we could leave with like five minutes of this for everyone listening. Um, essentially, Kurt Signetti said in some interviews earlier this week, the JMU is going to play a full FBS schedule in 2022, which would mean 10 FBS games, which I would interpret to mean 12 games, which I would also interpret to mean that they would keep all of the games currently scheduled. So the games currently scheduled. You got Weaver State on September 3rd and Bridgeforth. I think September 10th, they play Norfolk State at home. And then there's a November game that I can, I'll double check right here, November 5th. Um, they're at Louisville. So I think those would all stay is my guess, right? Because I think they will try to play 12 games next year with 10 of them being FBS. Yeah. So like Norfolk State and Weaver State would stay. Those are two FCS games. Uh they're not going to a bowl. I think even though they're kind of transitioning up, I don't think they're bowl eligible um unless that changes or they get a waiver. I think,
1: if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they're bowl eligible the next two seasons.
0: I wonder granted, if they're
1: granted, I, a weird transition period. So the rules might change because they play <laughs> that full FBS schedule next year. So that might be like the rule might be written of, you have to play one year of a full FBS schedule and then become bowl eligible. That might be how the rules written, which is always then just, you know, transcribed into two seasons, but.
0: That's what I'm I'm not sure if 2023 could then be bowl eligible for Jamie or how that would work. Um, but essentially next year, I think they're gonna play 12 games. Um, and I think the, um, the interpretation that I've seen is that they would have eight Sunbelt games. So they would play a full Sunbelt schedule. Now, we'll probably know this. There's a meeting between the Sunbelt athletic directors. This is from like an Arkansas State 24-7 sports article. A meeting on the 25th between the athletic directors of the Sunbelt. They're going to talk about that. And if they're actually going to do that, where they bring in these new members early, including JMU, or if that kind of goes back to what we originally thought where it could be a hodgepodge, weird schedule. But from what we pretty much, been told from Sydney and everyone else is that their expectation is that it seems like they're going to have these Sunbelt games. So the 25th of January, there's that meeting, the 26th, I think there's a vote on it or something. So at the end of January, you should get some clarity about what Janu's schedule would be. If that works out, you would have those three games that we mentioned, Weber state, Norfolk state, Louisville, plus the six games against your divisional opponents in the Sunbelt. And then you would think of uh, two games against the opposing division one home, one away. That gives you 11 games, right? Eight conference games, the three we mentioned. And then the thing that people keep talking about is like the fifth FBS home game. So I think they're trying to play 10 FBS games, and you want uh, five of those games at home. So you would have four right now because it'd be four home, four away within the Sun Belt. So then you're looking, you've got 11 games, you have that one empty spot you would try to fill bridge forth with an FBS team which is very challenging this late in the game because and challenging teams, just
1: in general just because you're yeah. going a it's, game that means nothing that you have to go on the road for
0: right <laughs> Right. and most teams already have their schedule so maybe like a UConn or something weirder I think yeah, a UMass <laughs> Bet- yeah exactly Shane Bentley was saying in about a month ago so I don't know if it's still necessarily stands but he was saying that Liberty could possibly be an actual team that that would do that so maybe that's an option but i think they're kind of scrambling for that the logistics none of it's finalized but it kind of points that in the next two weeks we'll learn that they're going to play a sunbelt schedule and they're going to have those i would think those three games would stay um especially because like the Weber state's kind of a fun fcs game the louisville game is a very enjoyable fbs game on the road and norfolk state gives you like a token cupcake that you've been make sure you at least win a game. Right. So I think that's a, a good early season one to like fine tune some stuff, especially if you've got Sun Sunbelt soon after. So um, yeah.
1: Two questions for you. Oh yeah. So do you think that it's likely, or if they can't find a FBS team to come to Harrisonburg, do you think there's a potential that they agree to play a road game just to fill that spot?
0: I think there's something where if you technically want to be FBS, you have to have like, Okay. that's what it sounded like from people saying it, where it was like, they need that fifth FBS home game. Okay. So I think they're going to, I think they'll find it is kind of my, how I interpreted that. I imagine most teams do that, but I'm, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to tell. Like a lot of this is not that that clear or like properly explained Yeah. in a lot of places. I've been trying to find the information kind of hard to find. So that one, I think it'll end up being a home game kind of confused as to why i'm assuming it's a requirement that's the way people keep talking about it like it is a requirement um let me let me do a quick google search folks
1: then here's another question for you about it you think they'll go to like an independent like a byu's independent liberty's independent they wouldn't do it with notre dame but like an independent school like that and offer a one a one i guess to them they're offering a one away to home like normally you do like a two and one home away home but do you think jamie will try and entice the offer by doing like a home away away
0: you definitely could so wikipedia is saying an fbs team must schedule a total of five home games per year um i'm assuming that means like fbs games but i I guess i could be wrong because they do have two fcs games that would count so i guess that's a little confusing There, maybe it's something with the transition. I'm assuming it's a requirement, so yeah, yeah, they could definitely do something like that, even with Liberty, right? Where they could that's what I was thinking.
1: You you go to Liberty and say, Hey, you come, we need this game, but yeah, and we'll come back because we're in such a bad spot. We will come back the next two years.
0: I could see them doing something like that, um, for sure. So that should we should get some clarity at some point in the next few weeks. Um, you want to have that done? Most teams try to get those done reasonably early in terms of the schedules, most teams kind of have their schedules really, like, pretty <laughs> yeah. close to done, if not done. So, yeah, hopefully that will happen soon. And my guess is that does happen, because otherwise, if you're JMU, you've spent weeks waiting around and and then have to, like, cobble together some schedule that would be yeah. just really challenging to do. So I think that will end up happening, but we'll, we'll see.
1: Could they play another Sunbelt team as a non-conference home game? So, like, could they go to the other division in the Sunbelt and – try and get them to come and play too. Now I'm just asking questions of that. that cut like that pop in my head.
0: I think a lot of those teams, and I'd have to double check on like the FBS have a full they, schedule, I think they've got a full slate for the most okay. part. So that's why they already have to like mess up how they might do conference stuff, which could make it a little more complicated. But yeah, I think logistically for the Sun Belt, it's kind of a, not a nightmare, but I think there's a reason it's taken like multiple weeks to say anything. <laughs> and that's because like, wow, this is super fucking annoying to <laughs> come up <laughs> with this.
1: Um, you know what else is really annoying? Centeo won't be throwing to Antoine Wells Jr. next year. He's officially, officially gone. He's gone to USC. Instead, he'll have a downgraded quarterback in Spencer Rattler. Shame for Antoine <laughs> US,
0: Wells. USC. That's the fake USC.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't feel like t- Bennett's referring to our outline where I wrote Wells to USC. I didn't feel like writing out South Carolina. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's uh... – we all expected Rattler to wells right so no surprise there just the I mean, jersey they're, they're wearing they
1: fed him well they fed him well and you know that's all it takes <laughs> there's an article i forgot which site maybe it was a south carolina 247 site something like that wrote an article and and quoted wells and he said um, yeah they fed me well that's why i went there it was a longer quote but he was essentially saying they recruited me good so i went there <laughs>
0: i do not i do not envy the kids like in the portal because you're you're making if you're Antoine Wells, like you're moving up with the hopes of like, I would think, have a better chance of playing in the NFL, right? Maybe making some more NIL money and playing on a bigger stage. And you're making this decision really fast. Like he enters the portal and then within like a week or so, right, he's got all these offers. He has to go through which ones yep. he likes. He has to, he did make a South Carolina visit, which is where they, you know, fed him well. So he goes through that and then he has to make his decision really fast based on what he thinks is going to set him up for like the next 10 to 15 years crazy fast to have to do that like the portal is just insane so i think south carolina makes a lot of sense for him i think it'll probably be fine because it's a power five but it's also like auburn i imagine has more competition at receiver than south carolina like probably has a legitimate chance to play there and play yeah. against sec defenses every week which could help him quite a bit
1: and that's shane beamer right
0: yeah yeah, he's doing a great job with them.
1: Yeah, they they're re- really building something good there. So, Wells probably sees an opportunity to play with a team that could honestly compete fairly well in the SEC and potentially be in a spot for a good good bowl game next year, the next what he has 3 more years of eligibility. So, good bowl game potentially in 3 years too as the the program continues to grow. So, that'll be I'm excited to see him and and what he does against SEC competition and I wish him well and I know he really cares about some random podcaster wishing him well, but here we are.
0: Oh, he listens. He'll listen, I'm sure, <laughs> the next few years. <laughs> Every game week he'll make sure to he tune keep in. Keep up so.
1: with uh, JMU Sports <laughs> and make sure that his, his boys, Ravenel and Reggie Brown and Thornton. Can we talk about the shade Signetti threw really quick, and then we can move on to men's basketball. Was I, it intentional
0: shade. shade, do you think?
1: I think it was intentional shade. So Kurt Signetti, um, what, what, was, what was the exact tweet? I'll pull it up. Okay. So
0: it was pretty soon after, but it also came at a time where it could have been scheduled. It came right at 7 o'clock.
1: Okay, so it could have been scheduled, but it? But man, it was funny. If nothing
0: is. else, if nothing else, it was hilarious timing. So he says, okay, dot, 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 dot. We got this. Go Dukes, hashtag Sunbelt. And then the, <laughs> the photo is Chris Thornton.
1: I feel like that's shit. Like, I know it's right at 7, but I feel like that's some shit. Like, you could have used, maybe even... I feel like it's also I shade. Thought the
0: caption was, I thought the caption was weird.
1: The caption with the picture, like the whole thing's a little yeah, weird. It
0: was like, okay. Like,
1: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's also, like, even if it wasn't scheduled, Wells was in the transfer portal. So, like, I feel like it was shade regardless. I feel His timing just lined up really well. Like, his announcing, like, that he's officially right. officially gone really lined up. But he was already gone, like, in the transfer portal. But right. the timing just made it so much better.
0: It was it was an intro. It was pretty funny, and everyone just seemed to love it. Even though I don't think anyone really, um, maybe they interpreted it as that, but it seemed like no one really cared, and they were just like, "Yeah, Sunbelt." But I thought it was I thought it was kind of kind of humorous, even if it was even if it was accidental, given the benefit of the doubt, I guess. But it was, it was certainly a funny tweet. And um, if people haven't listened, he did like a 17 minute interview with with Dave Riggert, and it was really good. Like he gave some great insights into like the portal, into the quarterback competition, um, where he talked about, you know, Senteo and taking him to a new level at JMU and all this stuff. Really just insightful interview that I thought was good and fun to hear seeing that he talk about the logistics and how they want to add like a recruiting department and, and different coaches there, but how he'd still be heavily involved in recruiting. It was it's pretty fascinating. stuff.
1: So one last thing before we move on to men's basketball, they're lost to Hofstra. We, can't, we won't really touch on the Northeastern game since we're recording tonight. And by yes. the time you listen, that it'll already happen. So there's absolutely no point in previewing the game. But last question of football for this podcast, who do you think is the early clubhouse leader for starting the quarterback? Sort of starting at quarterback next year?
0: I think it'll be Santeo, especially yeah. listening to Sennetti, where he said it's going to be a competition, but he also kind of like, he mentioned Said we're going to take
1: Centeno to new heights,
0: he, right? Like you're not <laughs> taking him to new heights after he started at Colorado state as your third string quarterback. <laughs> so, I mean, I would expect him to have a pretty good chance to start, especially with the experience and the ability of uh, a Billy Atkins. And then I think it's Alonzo Barnett is how that is all pronounced. I yeah. I messed that
1: right up there. royally last podcast. Yeah. So I'm not yeah even I, I believe
0: it's Alonzo Barnett. He was also kind of mentioned as someone that's going to be in the competition and he's going to be like uh, enrolling before the fall.
1: Oh, like that's awesome. I
0: think. So I thought that was kind of fascinating too, that it's like, yeah, this kid's really good too. So you got Senteo, but then there's a bunch of other guys who can also play that are young in the system kind of developing. So interesting. And then also worth noting that it sounds like they have a ton of extra scholarships
1: because the transition. Oh, because they're moving up and all of a sudden yeah. that's like 20 extra scholarships. So
0: I don't think he's going to use all of them. And they were at, I guess they were at 72 last year with the COVID and you can go up to 85. So Some of it's not a a massive jump, I guess, but they have empty spots. Some people are transferring, right? Some people graduated, whatever. You've got these spots that it sounds like he's going to take his pick of more transfers going into like spring ball and then after spring ball as well. So I think there's going to be more transfers added that'll probably have a chance to compete. You might also have some guys who realize in spring ball that they're not going to get a lot of playing time and they might go elsewhere. So fascinating to see how that all works and also the The conversation he had with Dave was kind of hilarious where he'd be like, yeah, you know, it'd be fun to add some depth of receiver and, you know, a center offensive line, like linebacker, corner safety. Like he literally listed every position. So it sounds like they're open to literally anything in the transfer portal, but he did it really slowly where he's like, you know, this group <laughs> and pretty much everything appeared open in terms of adding in the transfer portal in the next like six months.
1: Did he uh, mention podcasters? Do they do they have two openings for uh, on-staff podcasting?
0: Yeah, he didn't mention that. He just talked about the recruiting staff. But I'd be happy to to join the recruiting staff, but I don't want to look at any film. I don't nope. want to have to break down anything. Nope. I just want to talk. I just, like, every now and then I'll come to Harrisonburg and I'll hang with the guys and I'll tell them about JMU.
1: You're a culture <laughs> setter. That's a culture about, setter. Yeah,
0: we're culture setters. So we're both looking for, God, I don't know, 300000 a year.
1: I mean – I'll take a I'll take 250.
0: I won't. I won't. I'm one of the one of the better culture centers. <laughs> I know my <laughs>
1: I'm one of the best in the country. They don't call me Bennett, the culture center <laughs> Conlin, for nothing.
0: But uh, yeah, I thought that was a, a pretty amazing.
1: Speaking of a really good way to set the culture, that's to lose to Hofstra in the opening game of conference play and for men's basketball. I will say after not playing for over a month or just just under a month, played on December 11th, play the next time, January 9th, against arguably the best team outside of William & Mary in the CAA is, is Hofstra. Um, Bennett is answering a Slack message as we speak, so he didn't get my shade at William & Mary, but we'll just gloss right on over that. They come in, they play Hofstra after that long long break, they compete really well. I mean, there were sloppy moments. There was a lot of missed, um, missed opportunities, a lot of terrible turnovers, some questionable decisions to, um, for shots. But with all that being said, they still put up 80. Offense looked really good. They lost 87 to 80. Uh, Hofstra kind of pulled away late. JMU had the lead um, with a few minutes left, and it was looking like they might pull off the upset, pull off the win. Votto went for 24 Strickland, 12 wooden 10. um, And to call Molson 16 points, he's really becoming a late game leader. Um, He's not going to hit you a lot of shots throughout the game. It feels like, but he's going to in pressure packed moments, he's going to take some ill-advised shots that somehow find the bottom of the net. So I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm not going to complain about Molson's shot selection. If he's hitting at the end of the game, Hodge, kind of getting phased out of the rotation a bit. Only 13 minutes, went one for two from three. Um, But overall, a pretty solid performance, especially considering what, I mean, what they had gone through to get to that point.
0: I thought going in, they were going to lose the game for sure. Partially because of the way Byington was talking, I thought would affect the team. Whether, I think he was fair in saying some of what he said, right? Where he was like, they're probably out of shape. They're probably you know, gonna be rusty from this long pause, which to me, if I hear that and I'm a player, I'm going in thinking, oh yeah, we're, we're probably gonna suck a little bit today. Maybe
1: it was a little reverse psychology to Hofstra. So Hofstra comes in not really expecting it. Jamie <laughs> did get out to like a nine-two lead. Maybe I thought they were interesting
0: comments, but they <laughs> they basically gave him a free pass for a loss, which I guess was smart. And uh, they took the loss. This was a really interesting game because I watched the whole thing and I feel like I had very different opinions of the game. Than other people who watched it too, like I, like Shane Metlin, thought they. You gave normally it away.
1: do. I'm going to be honest. You normally do. Do
0: I? Do I normally have to?
1: <laughs> All right then. Well,
0: I thought they were drastically different this time. Like Shane Metlin thought they gave the game away. DNRB reporter, I didn't. I didn't think that. But then also we were texting with Brian Reese, who kind of agreed with Shane. He's a friend of ours, and he agreed with Shane on that take. I think there are other people who did too. And then I saw like a Hofstra SID replied to Shane. It was like, what were you watching? So I thought it was like a weirdly polarizing game in terms of, like, what actually happened. But for me, like, I think JMU certainly made costly mistakes to give the game away a little bit. They also shot out of their mind, which yeah, I like they the shot fact 50% that they
1: were... from three, 52% from the floor in general. That, uh, and they that were taking insane. a lot of threes.
0: They get 13. Like, they, they hit a lot of threes. 13, I think that was, like, their high against, like, not one of those scrub non-D1s they brought in. So when you're not playing Carlo, that was, like, their season high. 9 of 11 from the free throw line. Obviously, the 19 turnovers are horrible. But, like, I thought they played really well offensively and made a ton of shots. And, like, Hofstra is a really good shooting team, but they only made 36-ish percent of their three-point shots. They probably could add more go down. So the fact that they were kind of in the game – for one, was like somewhat impressive, but then also like they weren't doing enough defensively. It felt like Hofstra could get some pretty easy looks when they needed them. The one big man whose name I don't have in front of me, but good lord, I mean he was destroying them. Right, he had 15 rebounds. Yeah, so their big guy had 15 boards, seven of them on the offensive glass. As a team, they had 14 offensive rebounds, and JMU had had six, four, six, six, off, Jesus, six wow. offensive. sorry I was getting so upset six offensive rebounds they had 21 defensive rebounds but like Hofstra was really good in the glass they made some shots like enough shots I thought Hofstra was really good I think Hofstra you can make a case is just as good if not better than JMU this year especially given the long pause so for me like the fact that JMU was even in this game late was a really positive sign because I still don't think JMU is that good
1: So Hofstra this season took Houston to open the year to overtime. Houston's Mm -hmm. a top 25 team. Really good. Um, They had another huge win. That's escaping me. They beat Arkansas, beat Arkansas. That's what it was. And then almost beat Maryland, right? Should
0: have beaten Maryland. Should have beaten Maryland. Yeah.
1: So they're a really good team. And I will say I I don't agree. I think I kind of more agree with your side of it. I wasn't fully tuned into the game. I was also watching red zone for work. So I was, I was watching two different things. And at times I was watching JMU. It it never seemed like they had complete control of the game. There was three minutes left, three minutes, 45 seconds. JMU goes up 80 to 79 and JMU wouldn't score for the final three forty five of the game in that time. They had, Plenty of missed threes. They had a moment where they were down 83-80. Strickland had an amazing steal, uh, fed it to Falden, who then got blocked on a layup in the paint. And then from there, they re- that was with a minute 43 left, and that was kind of the end of the game, if you ask me. Because then Hofstra goes down. They miss a few layups. JMU turns it back over, then fouls, and then they all of a sudden go up 85-80. to And the last... That's all she wrote. So the last three minutes and 45 seconds
0: was horrible.
1: Yeah. So I see where people are saying they handed them the game, but Jamie was never in a position of like dominating the game to a point where like it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win. So I see what Shane Metlin and some of some people are saying it's like, it was a terrible last four minutes.
0: Horrible. Yeah. I I would agree with
1: that. And and in that case they gave it away, but Jamie was never dominated. There was never a point in the last, 10 minutes of the game where you're watching it and you're like, Jamie, won like this, Jamie's dominating this game and is going to win. So I, I see, I see both sides of the coin to to be that annoying person to answer it politically. it. But I think both are kind of right, depending on how you, how you view gave it away.
0: I agree. I also like that Shane is like engaged and fun on Twitter and you can actually have these like conversations and topics based off of how he's interpreting a game. She can't always have with certain beat writers. So yeah, really like you, you were at
1: UVA. I mean, I, uh, people, people talk, man. <laughs> so,
0: I love that from him. One quick thing on this, since this is all going to be irrelevant because the Northeastern game will probably overshadow everything we're talking about. Um, But they were in the Hofstra game. It's 80 to 79 with like three twenty left Vado Morse put on like this ankle breaking move in Jalen, Oh, That was so up.
1: dirty. And then missed the three
0: falls over, but missed the three. They didn't end up scoring the rest of the game. That's one. If that goes down in that play, I think they, they they're going up four. I do think they end up winning. Like that was a sweet move. So it just didn't work out for him, but I thought they played pretty well other than like the last four minutes where they're, that looked like a, like a Lewis row last four minutes, right. Horribly sloppy and just like giving it away. But I give them a little bit of a, a pass on that, but big picture. I do want to say like, I don't think they're that good that's the other thing i don't have
1: i'm glad you brought this up you already said this i need to say my piece on this yeah i agreed with you up until the uva game like they won games they should not have won they the the radford game up until that that moment i was agreeing with you at this point in the season i know they haven't played in a month and that's their first game back but at what point do you sit back and say you know maybe they aren't traditionally good but they are damn scrappy and they are going to be in games. They shouldn't be in like, yeah, they're not going to run you off the court, but they find ways to win. Like at the end of the day, they're winning games. They're hitting shots. They shot 50% from three. I think this team is good. They're just not like your traditional good. And that sounds weird. Like they're, they're really good, but bad, but they're not bad. Do you follow?
0: (laughs) I hear what you're saying there. I don't think they're a bad team. I just feel like they're like JMU fans that are like, Oh, how can you lose to Hofstra? And it's like, well, I think Hofstra is just as good, if not better than them. That's more so my point is like Ken Palm has JMU at one seventy, which is like middle of the road college basketball essentially. And I don't think that's horribly wrong. Like they're getting better, but I think what we've watched the last four years, or I guess before that, the Lewis Rowe era was so bad that we have this idea that like competent basketball is unbelievable. Like, they beat UVA by three in a huge down year at home. Sold out crowd, and UVA went 12 minutes without scoring a point. They still only beat them by three. Good win. Good win. Like, this is a Fantastic solid team. <laughs> the way they bounced back, were able to beat Radford. Really cool. Down at half, came back. Like, I like this team a lot. Like, they're so much better than so many recent JMU teams. I just think, like, I was saying earlier, I thought they could get to be, like, a Ken Pomp top 100 team. mm I don't know, maybe if they don't have the pause and they can keep the rhythm going and they really develop with the pause, I don't know that they can be. So I love the way they're trending. I just also like if they lose five to six to seven more conference games, I wouldn't be that surprised. Is kind of I my would, th- which just is- because
1: I don't think there's that many teams ahead of that. Like Jamie's so well coached that they're going to beat up the teams they need to beat up on. I think the next time they play Hofstra, it's going to be at Hofstra. So they'll probably drop that one. Um, northeastern tonight so we'll see when we come back it's it's you have to pick up these tough games at home like you have to win this northeastern game mm-hmm. um, you have to beat is Drexel good this year Drexel solid Delaware solid Towson's
0: really good Charles I think pretty good. I think you gotta beat like, I don't the think the you, gotta beat.
1: Bad. you gotta beat the teams you gotta beat and then you have to split with the Drexels and the the, the upper echelon I'll put in upper echelon because the CA is not good, but I don't I don't know if, seven I think is a lot five I can understand I would set the I would set the over under on win conference losses at six at five and a half.
0: I, Ken Palm's got them going nine and nine in the league. Ken Palm, I, mean, I don't I'm think there. they'll do that. Like I think they're better than like Ken Palm currently thinks they are. But I, I also think they're, like, I don't know. It's hard it's hard to, like, totally judge this team. They're absolutely going in the right direction. I love watching them play, um, which is very different than <laughs> the Louis-Rowe era. But, I like, I love the way they play. Defensively, I feel like they made strides. Offensively, they're getting a little bit better. So I like this team a lot. I just also think they're going to lose some games because I don't think the top of the league is that bad. Like, I think Towson is, like, surprisingly good. I still think Hofstra's good. Drexel and Delaware are not going to be easy games necessarily. And then I really like what Charleston's doing with Pat Kelsey. So like, there's some tough games in there, but what I will say is they're absolutely going in the right direction. I do really like them as a team. I just also think they're like, they're not quite where I think they could ultimately be. Like there's still some, some growth there and like plays that even after a pause, like a 20 turnover game is like, Guys, what are you doing? So there's definitely some spots where I want to see them grow. I'll say that, but I'm excited for the future. And I do think, I do think that they're going to take some losses this year. They don't have a chance to make the NCAA tournament realistically, which means that I also think they are buying at least another year, maybe more with buying ten, which makes me really happy. Um, because <laughs> I I'm I was afraid if they get in the tournament, which obviously you want those experiences if you're a fan, right? You obviously want your team to make the tournament, but at the same time, like hopefully, Byington can hang around a couple of years because he's not staying forever.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and looking at the CAA, like on Ken Palm,
0: sneaky good.
1: Um, yeah, Delaware is in the plus for adjusted EM. I forgot what EM stands for, efficiency margin.
0: Something efficiency, yeah. It's Something all like about that. efficiency for Ken but,
1: Palm. Towson's in the plus Hofstra's in the plus Delaware's in the plus JMU and Charleston are just below they're at minus 0. 0.5 and minus 0. 0.8 so a couple of good games they could flop, flop over to the plus Drexel's minus 0. 0.1 so sneaky sneaky solid not great but sneaky solid William and Mary's at the top of the conference and they are by far the worst team like in every advanced stat which is they absolutely, suck which is hilarious that they're 2-0 in conference so JMU plays them they're their next game Saturday
0: allegedly, allegedly. they got a little co- they got some COVID issues
1: yeah so so we'll see but I understand what you're saying this team is definitely trending in the right direction and I, I think they play a style of basketball where they're going to be in 90 percent 90 to 95 percent of the games they play they're scrappy they seem to go on runs at the right time. They seem to not allow huge runs. Like in the row era, it just seemed like there'd be these 30 point runs, like a 30 to 10 run, and all of a sudden you're out of it. This team doesn't do that. Byington's a good coach. They're going to be in more games than they're not, and they're going to be in positions to win more times than they're not. And because of that, I'm not going to say they're bad. I think they're right at my expectations for what this season was.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're bad. I just think they're well, like you did
1: say that though. So I'm going to hold you down. Did to I say yours. bad? I don't remember. Let's re- rewind. Um, I don't, I don't, I thought you said, <laughs> I don't think it said bad.
0: I just said, I don't think they're as good as people think they are. Like I think they're very like middle of the road for all of college basketball. They're like a middle of the pack team is kind of my, my feel where I feel like some JMU fans after the UVA game were like, no, we're going to dominate the league. And it's like, well, not probably not though. Cause they're like, they're one of the like four best, five best teams in the league but it's not guaranteed that they're winning like the regular season title or anything like that. Yeah. But I do, I do, I feel like I'm being a little harsh. I do like really love this team in the direction that they're going. I just also think expectations, I think the five and a half number is probably fair. I think 12 and six is
1: probably where I have them in conference games. Okay. Valid. Um. Here's a question for you. Okay, good. Thank you for saving me there. I was floundering.
0: We've talked about the Sunbelt move. Can You got to try to convince me here that the Sunbelt basketball move isn't going to be horrendously boring because the more I look at the Sunbelt basketball, it, it feels so, so similar to what currently exists for, for JMU that it's making me a little bit sad.
1: I'm trying to find... Because
0: we're both big college hoops guys.
1: I prefer... So I remember my take on it was sunbelt is abbreviated by sb in ken palm all right good to know i would argue that moving to the sunbelt's worse for basketball like there, it is a worse product than the caa
0: the good news is you're scrapping the two scrubs and you're adding some good basketball schools so they got that going for them
1: who are they adding ODU forgot. can
0: od you can play a little bit right marshall's not horrible and then I what is Southern Miss the other one? I don't know if Southern Miss is actually good at basketball. <laughs> that doesn't
1: that doesn't move the needle. I mean, what is exciting is that you get ODU, but you already had ODU every year.
0: Marshall will be interesting.
1: Sure. The Sunbelt move doesn't make me ex what makes me excited about it is that there's with the way they're <laughs> trending, there's potential to play in the NCAA tournament more like often. Yeah. But then again, it's a conference tournament setup that's stupid. That there's a good shot that you're the one or two seed and get upset randomly by Texas State or I
0: any mean, Texas State's balling this year. They're the best team they got.
1: That's sad because their only adjusted efficiency margin is plus
0: .57. Yeah, I mean it's it's a worse league than the CAA this year, but I think adding JMU, Dominion, Marshall, Southern Miss, whatever makes it a little more competitive. But it's one that like I get. I'm starting to get pretty pumped about basketball. And to also look at the fact that they're going to have, like, conference games against Arkansas State and basketball does not excite me. Not not to say that, like, I'm stoked about a matchup with Towson, but they're, like, somewhat close. And I guess this will fix over time, but, like, we've seen them play enough. Like, I've watched enough stupid men's basketball conference games. I know you have, too. That like, we kind of have an idea of, like, what Towson has. Like, oh, it'll be fun to watch Jalen Ray which I guess will happen in the Sunbelt. But right now I don't, I don't have any of that.
1: I get that. And what I was saying earlier, like I remember when I was trying to convince myself, Oh, like when it looked like we weren't going to the Sunbelt and I did a pretty darn good job. Cause now I'm sitting here kind of with the same thoughts. I'd rather win a, a basketball national championship than a football national championship.
0: Basketball would be so sick. Like,
1: <laughs> like basketball would be so much fun. And like, that's never going to happen. It was probably never going to happen. It was never going to happen. In the CA
0: like <laughs> was, TA like, was like, setting him up for success.
1: <laughs> like, but the Sunbelt isn't either. Like, the Sunbelt isn't going to put a team into the, t- into the NCAA tournament. They're not going to rattle off two wins and find themselves sitting in the Sweet 16 and get a bunch of money for the conference. Like, that's my thinking behind it, too, is not even is it a good conference. Is there, like, one head-and-shoulders better team than the rest of them that can win a game or two in the, com- in the NCAA tournament? And bring money in for the conference. CAA was living off of VCU and George Mason's run from what? Mason's run was 2000, and I was in third grade, I think. So 2000, and was it five?
0: Maybe George
1: Mason, final four. 2005, and then VCU's run in 2006. Like, okay, so 2006, and then VCU's run in like 2009, 2010. Uh, 11, 2011. Uh, damn, I was off by a year on both. But, yeah. like, the, the CAA just essentially ran out of that money, like, in the last three years. Like, I've been feeding the conference for so long. So, you kind of hope you can get one team that's just good and can can rattle off a couple of those wins. I don't see that in the Sun Belt. This is a football move. Like, the Sun Belt move was a football yeah. move, 100 million it, percent. Like, yeah, I also, be... It also was a softball move. I'll give it that. It was a softball move, too, because now you get a good mid-major matchup in Louisiana.
0: Even baseball's gonna be sick. Like they're good. You better well, yeah, get good. Our
1: baseball team sucks, so I don't care. But I think
0: it puts them in a spot where, like, everyone else cares about it and is good. Where I think the the people in the valley are gonna get to a point where it's like, all right, like, <laughs> Jeff Bourne, show me a baseball product that fits where we are. So I think they'll they'll eventually figure that out. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about baseball this year as Chase DeLauter hits like 500 and draws a bunch of intentional walks, and the Dukes drop like 12 games below 500 because they have an ERA of 12. Um, but then i <laughs> That'll be fun to track. Um, no, we'll see what happens with them this year. I'm kind of interested. I think the one thing that does excite me is like the possibility that JMU and ODU become the best basketball teams in the Sunbelt. Yeah. And you would have like a Sunbelt championship, like for a spot in the NCAA tournament with like old dominion, like that could get me excited or even like a Marshall. So I'm holding on to hope that that happens An
1: app state.
0: Like I, I feel, like, Rangers, I feel yeah. like
1: those like regional rivalries, like are the same to me are a little bit better even than what Towson is and what UNCW yeah. is and what I'm trying to think of another, like Northeastern is like app state, Marshall and ODU are a hundred times better than those three schools.
0: Right. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out though. Cause I feel like you got the new arena. I know we're getting pretty amped about like the future of the men's basketball program. And then you look at like some of the matchups and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> so we'll see how it plays out, but I've, I don't know. That makes me somewhat sad. And I guess kind of excited that the the football team seems like it's moving into Sun Belt games immediately. So as we move into basketball season, we can kind of adjust a little bit and get used to those teams. And I don't know. I'm not saying I'm looking for like a fight to break out, but if there's some sort of like weird rivalry that develops, I think within fan bases or anything of basketball, that could be helpful to add something to it, a little juice.
1: The the rivalry right there, it's already it's already there. It's ODU. Let's just rekindle it. Let's let's start adding odu bar stool and odu random family <laughs> really just stoking the fire
0: so it's a great idea that um yeah that'll be an interesting one for sure and i don't know if any of the other
1: teams really move the needle but hey
0: stupid we'll find question
1: out. stupid yeah. question jamu are they ncaa tournament eligible next year
0: i think i think all the non-football teams and i guess this will probably maybe be more official also in in uh January 25th or 26th okay. but it sounds like they're all going to be like actual Sunbelt members in 2022 okay like so I guess we'll, starting in the summer
1: so we could see Byington coach his way to the final four next year
0: we yeah I think we could see Byington do that I kind of I don't know man I like the roster I still think uh the Hofstra game big picture talk kind of showed why we've gotten on here especially you and sort of the need for a big man because they got bodied in the post
1: They're going to get bodied all year. It's going to be a problem. They need – I love Sule. Sule is a great offensive threat. Wooden is great offensively. Do you see where I'm going with this?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, to have a guy that Hofstra had that could give you 15 rebounds – that's probably not having offensive boards (laughs) boards.
1: I don't even care about the defensive end like like they're gonna get their rebounds I care about the offensives like give me second chance opportunities that's where the game's won and lost I can guarantee you that Hofstra outscored JMU by more than seven in second chance points
0: he also snagged a lot or got close to getting a lot of balls like he was just tipping them and making like guards come into rebound and and, which then in turn sort of maybe limit some of their fast break opportunities for JMU, which loves to push the tempo. It was just really good stuff from uh, from
1: Hofstra's bigs. Hofstra, guess how many, uh, how many more second-chance points they had to JMU? Twelve. Seven.
0: So the difference in the game. There you go. Hate to see I that. Know. Hate <laughs> to see that.
1: I was kind of hoping I was wrong on that one, and then I pulled it up, and uh, <laughs> yikes! All right. So moving from men's basketball, that big picture talk. I mean, the like, same could co- probably be said about women's basketball in the it Sun can. Belt. Okay. can. Uh, but they pick up a gritty win against Elon. I would say you weren't happy with that. I was getting texts from you and. <laughs> You were not happy about that. I mean, you were happy about the win. You were not happy, happy by the about way, the, the way in which they got the two-point win. 59-57. Kiki, of course, goes for 22, followed by Analicia Goodman with 10. Um, Claire Neff with 10. Brianna Tinsley with 7. Um Kirk, who got her first career start due to some, I believe, COVID issues and injuries. Uh, she had five, and Hazel had four.
0: Yeah, caradine has been out, but she's been on the bench. Um, so I forget what the exact – thing is there Peyton McDaniel's obviously not available
1: according to did we say this on the podcast last week closer to yeah, red shirting than she closing did.
0: it sounds like yeah sounds like there might be a, a red shirt option there which is disappointing but uh also just like kind of mentioned in a random radio hit um that Dave Rigger did I think with Shane Metlin, had mentioned that for the men Tyree E. Hinacho is in a boot it sounds like he'll be out a couple weeks but seemed like it wouldn't be season ending which is a, a nice point guard that's sort of worked in the mix for them. Anyway, uh, Kiki Jefferson is awesome. Like she's just very, very good. This is a game that like was super close. Elon's actually a pretty good team this year. They're well-coached, really solid. So Jamie finding a way to win was awesome. But, um, yeah, they, they go up three late and then Elon takes a three Brianna Tinsley blocks the shot and they (laughs) they call a foul. And then the replay is just all ball. Um, but fortunately, Elon they missed some of the free throws. Jamie held on to win, but it was a horrendous call, also a very risky, like coming from behind, attempting to block the shot, <laughs> which is like maybe the last shot of the game, don't do that. <laughs> but she did get all ball in her defense, so horrible officiating. But they found a way to win. It kind of felt like JMU of old, where like wouldn't call that game pretty, but they won. That's what they did for so many years with like Kenny Brooks and even the early. Sean O'Regan is like, they play a conference game and you'd be like, well, that was kind of gross. And then you look up and they, you know, won by six and they have won eight games in a row or whatever. So I think they're trending in the right direction, but they play a Towson team on Sunday that is filthy. Just
1: very, very good. Yeah. They've won three, their last three after dropping their previous. Five. Five. Wow. I kept scrolling and I kept seeing L's. So, tough stretch here, too, at Towson, at Delaware, at UNCW, at College of Charleston, then just back home for two games, then back on the road for two games. This schedule is not great for them.
0: Yeah, no, it's it, it's not. It's <laughs> uh, it's tough with some of the, the four road games in a row, and they've kind of struggled on the road this year. So, we'll see how it goes. I, I do – Say
1: that again, one and four on the road.
0: Not great. I do uh, – I like the team. I feel like they're scrappy. They're getting a little better. They've also gotten to a point where they just, like, don't – a lot of threes. They took, I guess, 15 in this one, but they seem to have a better understanding of, like, we're not shooting them well. Let's shoot less of them. So that seems like a a positive development. And Goodman's been awesome in the post. Like, her rebounding's been really, really good. She's going to develop. And you were high on Micaiah Tynes um, in that UVA game, the freshman – freshman big who who played a little a, f- a few minutes in that one she's been really good when she's gotten minutes and made some great plays and seems way more confident than she was earlier in the year so i'm pretty excited to see how these freshmen all develop because i think there's a a bright future for them uh, in harrisonburg
1: i'm looking forward to it anything else you want to add
0: no just also disappointed about um the Sunbelt matchups for them. We'll see how those go. But uh, I guess the CAA ones for them, I feel like don't even have as much of a rivalry because they tend to just like smack everyone except for like the occasional team. So that one, I maybe...
1: They face off with the team in the CAA tournament.
0: Right, (laughs) Right. every regular season game, they just stomp people. (laughs) But then after that. So that'll be uh, worth keeping an eye on. Um, I will say I'm still somewhat disappointed because I thought going into the year that they would have at-large hopes. Then we watched them play that first game where they had no assists. Basically, against Virginia and still scored eighty four, and I was like, okay, there's something there to work with. Um, but then when they started to drop some of those like possible winnable games at Liberty, Buffalo, GW, you realize pretty quickly it was going away. So I think both teams no at large NCAA hopes. Um, that makes me sad to see a bunch of cowards for not letting them uh, compete in the conference tournament. So that still makes me sad, but excited to watch both these teams the rest of the year. I do hope that their COVID pauses allow them to you know get back and then play the rest of the year and the other teams can stay healthy and they can play a bunch of these games and uh get the most out of my flow sports subscription that i'm excited to cancel in the near future
1: yeah 100 and uh, it's kind of a shame that coach O will have not won a caa tournament and he's been here for six years
0: yeah it's getting along five getting years a little... they yeah. did a graphic the other day that i thought was really good that was like like coach joe at jmu and they included all this stuff when he was an assistant <laughs> <laughs> all the all the championships and stuff and i was like that's, in his that's
1: defense, clever in his
0: defense he should have had like
1: last year in the tournament
0: last year they just lost but they should have like two like they had the one where they all got hurt and they had covid when they were going to absolutely nuke people so that was they've gotten kind of screwed but uh okay. before right. we finish before we finished yep. we didn't do a year in review but we can do a quick quick
1: oh i feel like i feel like this yeah, we failed now. Too. We've had two episodes in the new year. Maybe we do year in review next, an actual year in review next podcast because there will really be no football. So how about we, how about we plan smart. this? We'll say it on the podcast so that we'll actually do it. But you tease it now. Quick tease of the year in review. But next week's podcast, which will be dropping on probably Wednesday of next week, uh, we'll do a full, full year in review of 2021.
0: I like that with maybe a partial look ahead with some stuff we're looking forward to in 2022. Love it. That'll give us a good one for next week because we'll uh, actually have time to prepare. Yes. And it'll probably be pretty, um, pretty light. I would think, because we're still a little ways away from lacrosse softball, baseball, and the basketball season is kind of trudging along, but there's a, seems like a legitimate chance that William Mary can't even play Jamie over the weekend for, for men's basketball. We'll see what happens with, with the women's team and, and how the other sides go with COVID, all that stuff. But yeah, my
1: probably, a good, probably bring, a
0: good, Let's not bring Let's
1: not bring down the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: Sorry. It's my new tradition where every week I go on like a weird COVID rant. So we're two for two in 2022. That's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Do you have a year in review tease at all? What, what did you want to say?
0: Oh, I was going to say, I thought we were getting so close to, you know, being into 2022 that we were going to scrap it, but then you really got me excited, so we're not going to scrap it. I was going to say we could pick a couple things we were looking forward to off the top of our heads.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. We'll, we'll do a full-on <laughs> thing next week. So Not a great team. As Bennett spirals into his weird rants. Um, I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you guys for tuning into the Jamie Sports. Joe podcast. Judge has been fired. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he hasn't.
0: I love this podcast. Hold on, let me... <laughs> <laughs> Well, the no, he has, he has.
1: Thank God! All right, from Bet Online, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Thank you, guys, for tuning in for the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Congratulations, Giants fans! Your uh, hellish nightmare is now over. So, yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for
1: B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,